Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Many of you would not know, but when we planted the Durban campus, I used to fly down every Wednesday and do some teaching, and then every Saturday night and do some teaching. The people in Durban did not appreciate my powerful ministry, and 40 people used to turn up on a Saturday night. They were so stuck on Sunday church that they couldn't break the pattern. Nonetheless, we bought an apartment there with our own money, and instead of the church paying for hotels, we went down, and I flew back and forth every week. I remember the one time I got out of bed, and because of the air pressure, I just like flopped over onto the carpet because I'd been flying too much. You know, the, that short flight, the quick ascent and descent. Anyway, during that time, we'd fly in BA, often get upgraded to business class, and it was just an interesting time. And I was under pressure a lot of the time because I'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, then fly here to preach four services here. Some of you are nodding. You remember next door? Uh, I was a much younger man. I think I was about 55 then. And I did five services for six years. But I'm not done yet. Anyway, <laughs> let me get to the point. Often when I'd get to the airport, BA was guilty of this. They would delay the flights. And when I saw that sign delayed. It's like my heart would sink because I had plans. We had a schedule. I'd be in contact with Santon, be on the phone with Kogi. Are you coming? Where are you? Now I'm on a bus this time. You know, you'd hope that you'd get to the airport and walk out. Now no, you're on a bus. Okay, it's going to take longer. But delay, you didn't know when you were going to fly. So through our plans, it threw out our commitments. I could miss the service or just walk in in time. You didn't even know about it. I'd walk in in time and say, good morning, church. Meanwhile, I just got out of the car. But that delay would upset me. Why do delays upset us so much? It's because we live in an instant society where everything is quick and we're in a hurry all the time, aren't we? I don't know if you realize it. We live in, in, in a society that's, that's so instant that uh, we have instant relationships, instant marriages, instant finance, instant divorces. People want instant gratification and they want instant answers to problems. But have you noticed that God is an instant? God is an instant. He delays, and He makes us wait, and it can be frustrating when we need answers. I need money, Lord. I'm trusting you for a baby, Lord. I need a partner, Lord. When, oh God, will you bring it about? I need a deal. I need a home. I need a promotion. I need a breakthrough. I need healing. And God seems to be silent, and He often makes us wait. James chapter 5 James, speaking to us, gives us advice, and he says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer, the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting, that's an interesting word, for the autumn and spring rains. You too, like a farmer, be patient and stand firm, don't let anything move you, because the Lord's coming is near. In these four verses, we are told to be patient. In fact, over 300 times in Scripture, we're told to be patient, but it doesn't come easily, does it? It's something we find very hard to do. We have got to learn to wait, and we've got to learn the art of handling divine delays. I want to speak to you today on handling divine delays. 
when you don't get an answer to your prayer immediately, when you don't get what you're trusting for immediately, how do you handle the delay? What posture and spirit do you adopt? A.B. Simpson, the great devotional preacher, especially around the Holy Spirit, he says, Beloved, have you ever thought that someday you will not have anything to try you or anyone to vex you again? Those of you that are in tough marriages, hold on to that. There will be no opportunity in heaven to learn or show the spirit of patience, forbearance, and long-suffering. If you are to practice these things, it must be now. Amen? Now, James there uses the word waiting. It's an interesting word in the Greek. It's what we call a compound word. It's made up of two words, and it's the word ekdekomai. The first part of it is ek, and I want you to notice this. It means place of origin or starting point, and dekomai means to receive, to take, or to accept. Are you with me? So literally what, what waiting means is this. Listen to this. It's to wait for something to come that has already left its point of origin. Do you know that when the Lord first announced, wait, catch this, when the Lord first announced that he's going to return, he's already left his point of origin. He's not going to be like, oh, I was going to come, now I changed my mind. I'm so comfortable on the throne. This is so well padded. No, is when God has said something, it's already left its point of origin. It's on its way. And we need to wait, not with a, what are you doing? It's, it, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. If he has said so concerning money, concerning a baby, in his word, he has made good promises. If he has said so about healing and a partner, material things you're trusting for, prosperity, breakthrough, or a change of circumstances, trust him that it's coming. You say, what about our country? I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to give you six practical ways in just a moment. But you know the Apostle Paul, he understood divine delays, and he factored them into his life. He was not surprised by delays like we are. Notice this verse before I give you six practical ways to handle divine delays. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 14, he says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these instructions to you so that if I am delayed, in other words, there's a possibility, you may know how you ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and bulwark of the truth. Paul factored into his journey and his plans that delays could occur. You know, on our campus right now, we have been delayed in building the new building. We're not fretting. We're not rebuking the devil. We didn't call you after the service to march around the property like some people do. All these strange things we do when we don't understand divine delays. We need to know how to respond to delays lest we fret, we're irritable, we blame God, we attack the devil, and God says, no, ek demokai. I am coming, and I have left my place of origin. The first way we need to handle divine delays is to understand this. Number one, God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denial. He hasn't said no. He has just said not yet. Amen? And just because God hasn't done something yet doesn't mean he won't do it at all. You need to understand that. Scripture's full of illustrations. Probably the best illustration of that is John chapter 11. Remember Lazarus died. Mary and Martha sent a message. And the Bible says that Jesus delayed three days. 
He did it on purpose. Would he do that to hurt them? No, God doesn't want to hurt us. But sometimes delays feel like he's hurting us. But what he was doing is it was one of the most profound miracles, and we joke about it. The King James Bible says that when Jesus told them to roll the stone away, they said, Lord, by this time he stinketh. The point was Jesus waited until he stinketh because there was no doubt he was dead. And if someone raises the dead, they have to be God. So his deity is, is, is so, so demonstrated that there's no doubt, and it's demonstrated with his closest friends and strangers who would have been flabbergasted. God's delays have got a bigger purpose than our comfort. In John chapter 11, Jesus said, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. God often tests us in the delays and he grows us in the delays. In a book by Rick White called They That Wait, he says, sometimes I understand I understand the no answers, but I don't enjoy them as much. I don't understand why I have to wait, and I know I don't like waiting. Nevertheless, I've discovered that waiting is one of several powerful tools in God's workshop. Have you ever thought of that? That waiting is an instrument of God to grow you? Doesn't feel like it. Hmm? Feels like you're being tortured, but you're being grown. Just like a child who has to do something, doesn't realize the long-term benefit of discipline, the long-term benefit of, of routines, and freaks out and performs. If only that child would understand. We're like children sometimes. Uh, here's a thought for you that you might want to write down. God's delays may hurt us at times, but will never harm us. God's delays at times will hurt us, but never harm us. And so God's delays are not God's denials. Number two. God's delays are because of God's seasons. James makes it clear when speaking about waiting and delay, he uses the analogy of a farmer. Isn't that interesting? I mean, farmers wait. They wait for things that they can't do. They can plow, they can plant, but they can't bring rain. They can't make things grow. Isn't that true? And so we need to understand that there are seasons. Here's the definition of a season. It'd be good for you to write it down because maybe you find yourself in a season right now. It's a time frame or an appropriate time that has been allocated for something to happen. A time frame or an appropriate time that's been allocated for something to happen. Now to understand that, just simply look at the seasons in the world. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, the seasons, day and night will never cease. Do you know that a farmer doesn't sit fretting in winter waiting for a harvest? What is going on? No, he understands that there's a season. There's a se Some of us are expecting something from God when it's not the season. Think of this. A tree for three months of the year, a tree that can bear fruit, doesn't bear fruit, because it's not its season. Then only have one out of the four, it bears fruit. And we're in the three seasons going, I rebuke you, Satan, I bind you, I declare, I decree, I quote, Isaiah said, Jeremiah said, Jesus said, and God's going, isn't that the truth? You've got to know the season, and some things take time. 
It's like being pregnant for three months and saying, oh, come, ready to give birth. No, it's not fully developed. Isn't that true? You know, seasons are interesting. Do you know birds know seasons better than people? And the Bible says in Jeremiah, even the stork in the sky knows her appointed season, and the dove, the swift, and the thrush observe the time of their migration. But my people did not know the requirements of the Lord. I was reading that white storks are pretty amazing. They're all over Europe, and they leave Europe as the winter approaches. They just know there's a switch. And then they fly uh, from Europe uh, around August, September, when their winter is coming, when we're heading for summer. They fly to Africa, and some of them fly right down to Cape Town, 13,000 kilometers. They fly. They go to Kenya, Uganda, and to Chad, and to Nigeria, and to the Sudan, and so on, and they gather in flocks of a thousand at a time, and they stay there, and then suddenly there's like a trigger around February, April, where they start to recognize winter's coming to Africa, and then they fly back again. They'd like, that, like they read it. And I want to give you some things about seasons here quickly. Number one, don't misread your season. Don't misread your season. Like a tree, don't look for fruit in the wrong season. Some of you want material things. It's not your, it may not be your season yet. Material things don't just come because you declare it or because you've been promised it. Sometimes they come from being faithful in little. You want a nice car? Well, how about looking after the one you've got instead of despising it? I'm driving a Toyota, and one day I'm going to drive a Merc, so this dog needs to go. No, no. even if a car gives you trouble or you don't appreciate it, faithful with little, faithful with much. And God will give you in due season what you trust Him for if you are faithful. There's a, an amazing memorial called the Veterans, the Anthem Veterans Memorial in Anthem in Arizona. And these five pillars of, I think it looks like granite or, or, or marble, have been put up and they've got holes in them. And you, can you see the seal, the American seal on the ground? Do you know that only once a year on Veterans Day, isn't that amazing, which is November the 11th, only on that one day does the sun line up exactly through those portals and shine on that seal. Only on that day, not any other day, because that's how it's been designed. I believe that sometimes God is lining up things, but we're so miserable and irritable, but one day suddenly, shoo, the sun shines and everybody goes, what? We can, be, we can be looking at other people's seasons, getting envious or jealous or angry, but God will line up things to bring your season about. Don't misread your season. Am I making sense today? Number two, trust God to change your season. Trust God to change your season. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 20 says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. Has there been a delay in your promotion? Do you feel you should have been appointed? Maybe someone else was put in a position you think you deserve? Maybe you need to understand that God is the one in control of these things. Do not fret or be angry or gossip about them. Do not look at their season. Trust God for your season. And trust God to change it. You remember that Joseph spent time in prison. And uh, it can look like the devil got the better of him. But it was tied to bigger events. 
there was a much bigger thing at stake here, and we've got to trust God to, to help us. Uh, Pharaoh's dream was the big thing that would release Joseph from prison, and guess who gave Pharaoh the dream? It wasn't the devil who showed him, hey, there's going to be plenty and there's going to be famine. No, it was God who gave Pharaoh. So God kept Joseph in one season until he was ready to, to give Pharaoh a dream in another season, and then the two worked together. And suddenly the delay is over. In a day he's washed and dressed, and he's out. And uh, we need to understand that prison for 13 years, listen to this, it, 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 it took then 13 years for him to be released. But many people don't realize he was 17, then he was 30 when he was released. We can't even imagine it was only 13 years. No, then there were seven years of plenty where they harvested everything. Remember he told, the, told Pharaoh, you need to harvest and you need to put it away. By that time, he was 37 years old. Then about five years into the famine, he would have been 42 years old. Only then did his brothers come and bow down. From 17 to 42. Uh, is anyone waiting at the moment and thinks God's taking too long? As they say in Afrikaans, wachebiki. There are bigger issues sometimes at stake. And God has our seasons and will change our season. Galatians tells us this in Galatians 6. It says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. In other words, at the proper time, God will make the season change. Number three, the third thing here that we need to do, is this helping you practically? I really felt, I wanted to speak on this last weekend, and really felt the Lord prompt me to speak on this, because I think sometimes our delays can frustrate us and cause us to behave incorrectly or to adopt incorrect theology. Number three, God's delays could mean God's judgment. Ooh. You never thought that would be a point, did you? You're waiting for the next bit of sugar. Now, I've got a bit of lemon here today. Did you know in the seventh century before Christ, Judah was misbehaving, and there was chaos and violence, and people were turning on each other, and um, there was perversion and wickedness in the land. And uh, it had spread throughout Judah, and God was unhappy. And it was going on for a long time, and God was planning to deal with it. But the prophet Habakkuk speaks to God concerning it. And I felt it was very appropriate for where we are as a country. How many of you are frustrated with load shedding? Frustrated with the crime? Every time you open the news, I was going to say the newspaper, but the news on our phone is some other thing. Cardboard boxes with babies, the health department, someone else is stealing money, and we have prayer meetings, and we're waiting. But I want to show you something today that might help you understand what's happening in South Africa. Because like Joseph, there's often a bigger picture that we don't take into account. And often Christians experience the fallout of God's dealings with nations. Habakkuk prays in Habakkuk chapter 1, and he says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife, and conflict abounds besides all the potholes. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. How many of you can relate to this? The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. But you know, in the next verses, God says to him, you know what I'm actually about to do, Habakkuk? 
Stop fretting. I'm about to raise up the Babylonians, and they are a vicious and cruel people. And they're going to deal with Judah because I'm going to punish them for their dealings. And he's here asking, when's this all going to be fixed up? And God says, no, it's not going to be fixed up. It's going to get worse. Because there's a bigger picture at stake. And Habakkuk, you as a prophet who loves me and who hates injustice, may have to just step aside and let me deal with them because I've got a bigger picture in mind. I wrote this in my notes this morning, and I want you to just listen. When a nation disobeys God, then he judges them. And Christians often have to suffer the effects too. Think of the Rand exchange rate. It's never been this bad. Why? Our president just opens his mouth and it goes through the floor. Isn't that true? Everything is broken in our country and there's crime and corruption. And God at the moment is not looking to bless us with comfort. He's got a bigger agenda. I say here, this could be the reason for the delay. I'm not saying thus saith is the Lord, but the scripture is quite clear on these matters. Let me give you some more sugar. Number four. (laughs) You being helped? Understand God's holding pattern. God's holding pattern sometimes is not a no, it's a not yet. If you've ever flown to London, and I've done it numerous, numerous times over the years, it's been a privilege to be able to travel overseas. But when you land or about to land at London, often because the airport is so busy, air traffic control will tell the plane to continue in a holding pattern. It's kind of like an oval. They fly over and you fly back and you say, I've seen that before. There's the Thames again. And then we go back again. And uh, we, will be, we will be down in the next 10 minutes. And about half an hour later, you're like, you're still looking. Now, the reason they put you in a holding pattern is because conditions on the ground are not ready, but you don't know. Sometimes there's no bay to park in. So they could land, but you'll be sitting on the grass. So instead of bringing more planes down and packing them somewhere and then creating more chaos, they just get you to fly around in a holding pattern, it's called. Do you know God's got a holding pattern? And sometimes he's getting everything ready on the ground, but you can't see it. Sometimes there's actual danger. It could be a threat. Maybe there's a problem with the plane's undercarriage. They're not going to tell you, we're struggling to get the wheels out. How many of you know that's not going to happen? They usually tell you this, we have a technical problem on the ground. What that means is we do not have wheels to land on the ground. (laughs) But a holding pattern, it's two things. It's preparing us and protecting us. I want to encourage you to understand God's holding pattern because it could be that there are some things that we need to understand. And I've got three things today that I want you to think about. Uh, God's person is not ready. So God's got you in a holding pattern because you're not ready or, or the person he's trying to work with is not ready. Secondly, God's circumstances are not ready. Or God is not ready. I do believe that in every waiting, God is working. You've got to believe that. Otherwise, he's not sovereign. Can I remind you, he's still on the throne. He hasn't left. He's not got tired. He hasn't fallen asleep. He rules and reigns from the throne, and we need to be assured that he's in control. This is not a clock that he has wound up, and it's just ticking, and you you wonder when the alarms are going to go off, and it's all going to blow up. No, God is in control, weaving and working. 
And it could be God's person isn't ready. God's circumstances are ready. God is not ready. Now, I want to show you something amazing here about God's holding pattern, because if you understand it, it can be productive, and it can be used for the glory of God. Acts chapter 17. Notice what it says here of the Apostle Paul's missionary journey. It was his second one. And it says, now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the, the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore, he disputed in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. You know, the book of Acts covers AD 30 to AD 62. That's the period that is written about in the book of Acts. And this is Paul's second missionary journey, we believe, that this took place around um, AD 49. And this is where Paul wrote his first letter from Athens to the church at Galatia in AD 49. One and two Thessalonians were not written during this time, but because Paul was in Athens waiting in a holding pattern, his spirit was so stirred, he met in the marketplace, he met in the synagogues, but there was not a lot of avenues. So he sat down in that waiting time and he wrote 50% of the New Testament, which we benefit from today. I wonder if he was busy with opportunities and travel, whether he would have got down to it or not. But God says, no, I'm going to put you in a holding pattern because there's things you can't see that I need to do in the future. So you're going to get a bit irritable with the idolatry. It's going to stir you up. You're going to be annoyed, but you're going to write stuff to the church that's going to have benefit through the centuries. God's holding pattern. Here's a thought for you this morning. Man's disappointments are often God's appointments. Isn't that the truth? Your disappointments could actually be God's appointment. And Paul had time to gather his thoughts, and he had time to write, and often a holding pattern is where God works in your life. Joseph was in a holding pattern for 13 years, but God was working in him. How many of you know Joseph was not ready at 17 to lead a nation? And I know we all feel we could run a huge business or we could lead a nation or, you know, but God often works over time and through process. Uh, I love what Wayne Stiles in his book, Waiting on God, says about Joseph. He says this, the Lord was with Joseph and Joseph remained forgotten for two years. Both were equally true. Just think about that for a moment. Did he forget or was the Lord with him? Both were true. Think of Nelson Mandela who spent 27 years in prison. It's a long, weary time. But when he came out, he was ready. In fact, we've not had a president of his caliber since. I'll say that plainly. He was a man of exceptional caliber. <laughs> 75 years old, he becomes president. He runs the country. He lives till 95. I believe God was readying him for the job. I believe that. It wasn't just political God was preparing him because prayers had been offered for the transition of our nation. We had a supernatural, peaceful transition. We have had more problems since, which we shouldn't have had. But the man was being readied. Here's a thought. God never uses anyone greatly until he has tested them deeply. You know, holding pattern, there could be a much bigger picture that God has in mind. Number five. You still with me? God's delays should not make us lose sight of God's promises. It's funny how delays can make us think the promises are irrelevant. It's like a child who asks, 
Are we going to the shops? Are we going to the shops? And then something crops up, the death in the family, a puncture, or someone comes over, a neighbor comes over and wants some help. And that child's, children get fidgety. You said we're going to Mall of Africa. <laughs> Isn't that what they do? No, we do that too, except we don't have... On the inside, we're like... You need to just step back and say, hang on a minute. God promised, and I'm going to trust him. Trust him to keep his promises. You see, this is what happens to us. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 13, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Because we've, it's been delayed, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. The living Bible says when dreams come true at last, there's life and joy. So let me give you some advice here under the promises of God and the delay. Don't resort to making things happen. Listen to me today. You haven't found the partner you want. So you will, in your head, baptize and sanctify that unsaved one. <laughs> Can I have an amen? amen? I know God's got a partner for me. I just need to help him a little bit. No, trouble cometh exceedingly quicketh. If you're a visitor today, that's from the book of Imaginations, chapter 1, verse 1. <laughs> so you've got dreams, you've got plans, you've got goals, but when you resort to making them happen in the flesh, be careful. And I want to say this to all business people here today, and in fact to everyone, you need to make plans and you do need to make things happen. Please don't sit around, I'm waiting for a job. No, you go and knock on doors. Don't expect your business to grow by itself. You need to put feelers out, look for property. You need to seek investments and loans and see what your potential is, read your market. You need to do all that, but don't do it in the flesh. So what I mean is you want a building and you, or you want a, a deal and, and, and God seems to be opening a door, but the delay makes you anxious, so you give money under the table. Trouble cometh. Trust God. Trust God. You see, in Genesis chapter 16, we read about Sarah, who couldn't have a child, and God had promised them, so they became impatient. They had the classic picture of waiting 60 years, and then they made it happen. Now, let me read this to you because I think it's so funny, but it's so, so profound. It says, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Now, can we just pause there? Egyptian slave. You think of someone in rags, eh? Someone in rags. Yes, ma'am, I'm coming. What's you? I'm bringing corns on her feet. No, this, this was. Get the picture. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham said, no, no. He's like, what? <laughs> you see, when you make things happen, it seems feasible. Now watch, this is terrible. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Watch this. This is the most amazing thing. Then Sarai said to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. How many of you know this is the typical picture of a woman? 
gives the, gives the woman, tells her to do it, it's your fault. My point is this, when we try and make things happen, it never works. We need to hold on to the promises because there is a divine delay and they create an Ishmael. That Ishmael has caused the world problems, the Arab and the Jewish nation. The world is divided in half and we have had trouble ever since. Tina and Dave Samples wrote a book called Messed Up Men of the Bible and uh, they say this, here's what I know to be true. Messed up men will often panic and try to control the chaos. Waiting is one of the hardest spiritual disciplines. Waiting is spelled T-R-U-S-T. Don't rush and resort to things. You end up with problems. Wayne Stiles in his book, Waiting on God, says this. He says, one reason many people never see God working in their lives is because they never hang in long enough for God to show His power. Isn't that the truth? Number two, here's the thing to do when you're holding on to the promises of God and their delays. Don't lose your heart for God and for serving. Don't lose your heart for God and lose your heart for serving. Start to blame the church, blame God. I don't have time to read it, but if you're making notes this morning, Matthew chapter 24 talks about the servant, and I don't want to read all the verses, there's just too much time. The Lord leaves a servant and he puts him in charge of his household. How many of you have read that? Many of you would know it. And then it says that the master delays. And so the servant begins to beat the other servants. And he begins to eat and drink with them. When the master comes back, he will not reward him, but he will rather tie man and foot and cast him into outer darkness. You see what happens to us when delays occur is we start to get angry. As he's talking about beating the servants. It's not just happening. He's doing, and you start to indulge. So you start to satisfy the flesh because the spiritual isn't happening. Now you need to hold on. You keep serving as a servant in the house. Keep at your post during the winter, serving the purposes of God. I understand the petrol problems and the, the travel challenges, but we need to stay because God's delays are not God's denials. Are you with me? John Ortberg, the author, says this. He says, biblically, waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. Number three, the third thing you need to do here is ask if your prayers are being hindered by sin or the enemy. Psalm 66, David says, If I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Hence the delay in prayers being answered. Sometimes you have to say, Hey, this thing lies with me, it's my responsibility. Do you remember when Daniel prayed and it took 21 days for an answer to come? We don't have time to read it. Write it down. You can read it in your own time. Daniel chapter 10. And the Bible says that uh, Michael the archangel came and he told him I was delayed. Why? I was fighting against the prince of Persia. And he says, this, he says, when you first prayed, I heard you, but I could only get to you now. See, that thing has already left its point of origin, but we're frustrated because it hasn't come. No, just Recognize there's a spiritual warfare going on, and there's a bigger picture. And then number six, as we wrap up today, I hope this has helped you in some practical way. God's delays are sometimes God's blessings. Have you ever imagined that God's delay could be a blessing? How many of you, don't put your hands up in the room, but you, 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 you had someone in mind that you wanted to marry, and you nearly did, but you didn't, because there was a delay. 
and then you saw them later at a reunion or in the street, and you were like, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You see, the delay could turn out to be a blessing. The delay of waiting could turn out to be a blessing because you find the right person. I'm just using that as an example. Sometimes we think we're going to miss out. No, no, don't always think you're going to say, don't make decisions in a hurry. Pray and pause. Whatever you do, buying things, pray and pause. Pray and pause. And you will be good because you'll see that often in the delay, there's a blessing. I was reading about this athlete. She's a pole vaulter. And, you know, when, when COVID struck, the, the Olympics were canceled. And all the athletes were training and they were disappointed. But, but this lady, Olivia Gravier, she was not. She was actually glad because she said, I actually wasn't ready. I had more time to train. Wonderful thing. And that delay turned out to be a blessing. But wait, there's, there's a guy I read about a Greek man, Antonis Mavropoulos. You know, these names, you've got to read them carefully. Mavropoulos. He was delayed by, actually by, by, you know the people that at the airport meet you when you land on one flight, and then they walk you to another? I don't know why they did it for him. They, they don't. Maybe if you get older, I don't know. Maybe when we travel next time, we should, we, we need help. And you get one of those cars, beep. Beep, beep, beep. Anyway, he was on his way with this guy who should have got him to his plane. They were delayed by two minutes. He was annoyed. He was frustrated. He had to take a plane from Addis Ababa to Nairobi. Guess what happened? Six minutes later, the plane crashed. I mean, you know, this man is extremely happy that he did not get onto that plane. But initially, he was annoyed. If you are annoyed or frustrated today, just Take a moment to wait on God. It could be the biggest blessing in your life. As I wrap up here this morning, God is protecting us, working in us. Trust Him and guard your heart in times of delay. Hebrews 10 in the English Revised Version says, For ye have need of patience, that having done the will of God, ye may receive the promise. See, it doesn't just start with doing the will of God and getting the promise. We need patience coupled to it. And Psalm 18 should be a verse that we hold on to when we, when we are dealing with complex things and their delays. Psalm 18 says, as for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in Him. Moses waited 40 years. Elijah waited three and a half years during a famine. And uh, Joseph waited 42 years for his brothers to bow down. Abraham waited 100 years for a child. How many of you know delays are part of God's plan? And we need to learn to take a good posture, keep serving, and fully trust the Lord because he knows what he's doing. And if you have that spirit, I think sometimes God speeds things up and he will bless you. Do not look at other people's blessings in your time of delay. They had a baby. They, they got a house. They got a car. They got a business. They, no, no, no. Wait for your season. God changes the times and the seasons. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.